0: Hello, and welcome to Outer Spaces, a podcast dedicated to empowering designers and contractors in the outdoor living space.
1: Through this show, we hope to create a powerful resource for you, someone who is trying to grow their company, but might not have all the tools and processes to do so. On
0: Outer Spaces, we are passionate about breaking the chains of small mindsets and helping contractors just like you take control of their businesses and their lives. My name is Joshua Gillow. And I'm Dwayne Drawn. Through our 40 years of combined dirt under the nails experience, we look forward to sharing tips, strategies, and other contractor success stories here on the Outer Spaces Podcast.
1: Without further ado, let's get on with the show.
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Outer Spaces Podcast. This is your host Joshua Gillow, flying solo today. Well, Dwayne Drawn is out, to help changing the world. So uh, today we got a special guest on um, this guy here. He's the owner of Ever After Landscaping in Toronto. He also is the host of How to Hardscape podcast, where he he uh, brings tons of nuggets and jewels to the hardscape industry. I love what he's doing out there and helping people grow their business, whether it's startups, landscape, hardscape doesn't matter. He's out there to help and help you grow and teach what he's learned over the years and really you know land it for you guys so you can really get going. So I'm super excited to welcome uh, Mike. Plets on today.
1: Hey, Mike, what's going on? Hey, man, thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. I've been uh, listening for, I guess, the past year or so that you guys have been on, and it's uh, it's really great stuff that you guys got going on here.
0: Thank you, thank you. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. And uh, how's the weather up there in Toronto? Uh,
1: it's uh, chilly, probably about negative ten, but the sun's out, so you can't uh, you can't go wrong whenever the sun's out.
0: You just have to visualize Florida and palm trees, right? That's all. Just
1: keep visualizing. Exactly. Exactly.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. And were you originally from the Toronto area or is that some place you moved? Uh,
1: so uh, I'm originally from about an hour away and that's actually where I started my business and then uh, relocated here with my wife. And uh, so now we call Toronto home. Nice. I love it. What's your favorite part of Toronto? Oh man. Um, I'd say like big cities in general. I really like just having so many things around you that you can do at any given time. Uh, it, we unfortunately haven't been able to do much of that since uh, you know all this stuff has happened and we've been under lockdowns and whatnot. But still a great place to be, still a great place to live. Really enjoyed here, and uh, we're right by the lake, so we've got a nice view too. That sounds beautiful.
0: That sounds awesome, man. So let's start in the beginning, man. Like, how did you get in this industry? What sparked you to get into hardscaping? I mean, there's a million choices out there. Why this one?
1: That's a great question. I um I was in no, I was entering university and didn't know what I was gonna do. And I was going into university for history, so it's pretty obvious that I really didn't know what I was gonna do. And and I was working at a grocery store part-time, and my manager came up to me, knew I wanted more hours, and she said, my husband works at the Stone Yard, He needs he can give you the hours. You'll work 60 hours a week, so you'll definitely get the hours. Go work there. Had no idea what hardscaping was, had no idea what I was getting into. And uh, immediately that first week I was building it, helping build the outdoor display and like I fell in love with it, the the equipment, the hands-on approach to things the design aspect uh it was that that's what kind of drew me in right then and there so that that's my entry into i guess the hardscape industry from not knowing anything about it to being just fully submersed into it and uh I, I was in love with it then
0: i love that dude that's that's such a crazy mix it's funny how we all find our way because not many people get into this business thinking you know what i'm gonna graduate college school whatever and i'm gonna go be a hardscaper like that just doesn't happen yeah. usually normally it's something that we've upon and we find value and love and passion in it. So- you know, what part of, of the hardscaping really gets you excited, man? Like what lights you up?
1: Yeah, that's a good question because I I started uh, doing side jobs while I was working there. It took me a couple of years to start to get these side jobs going and I had no intention of doing it. Just people started asking me to do some work. So I started dabbling in it. And when I actually started to take the leap and start my business, I identified a niche that I knew that I could start to grow my business. One, because didn't have a lot of money. So overhead expenses, had to be really low and uh, two, because I wanted to support people around me, the contractors that I've made connections with at the supply yard. And kind of exchanged leads because I knew I wasn't going to jump in and start these big projects right away. So I started doing the lift and relays, the paver maintenance, the small projects. And that's kind of how I started my business. Uh, It turns out two years after that, I hated it. It was uh, really (laughs) a big draw on my energy. I found myself not wanting to get out of bed and go to work in the mornings. So What really gets me out of bed is that design build aspect, being able to express my creativity. uh, It's always been something that's big in my life, the creative aspects of my life, creating things in general, uh, which leads into, you know, creating a podcast and creating all this stuff. So it just made sense that, you know what, it's time to really transition away from that lift and relay work towards this design build work. And that's kind of what I've worked on for the past couple of years and still moving forward in my business i love that i love that dude and and uh how long have you been doing it now uh business-wise since 2017 and uh but been in the industry with for that supplier since 2007 or 2008
0: You know, that was a stroke of brilliance. And I don't know that you had it planned that way, but to start at a a stone yard like that, to start at a distributor, to build those connections. And you're like, Hey, you know what? I want to do this. Next thing you know, you've got a connection, a lot of others in the industry, man. That's a lot of people struggle trying to get into this business and trying to get those connections and, and all of that. So kudos you man that was a hell of a smart move for sure
1: yeah uh, well (laughs) stumbled into it not so much a a planned move but yeah definitely really helped and i think it 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 did help even going back to it i don't regret starting a lift and relay business uh i think it's a great business to honestly start low overhead uh the only problem very labor intensive but very system systematizable like very easy to scale in comparison to a design build company where it's more creative, you're drawing on people's creativity, you're hiring for creativity. Uh, yeah. uh it's just, it, it wasn't for me in the end. No,
0: it makes perfect sense. You said low overhead and I'm thinking heartscape, low overhead. And I understand what you mean by the you know, lift and relay side of things where you only need a pickup truck and a couple of tools and you can go make some money, which is kind of yeah. cool. Good way to start out. you, you, so you, you said roughly two years, you're like, I'm done with this stuff. Um, what did it look like at that point? You're like, I'm finished. Did you keep that moving, or was it something that you just threw out and started fresh and burned the boats? Like, how did that look? Yeah. You? So
1: I, it was my second year in business, and I was still gung ho about this lift and relay business. And I signed up like a full sub, like a full street on a subdivision with lift and relays for their driveways because this subdivision was like a gated community. I had just happened to get in on one, priced it nicely and, uh, and and got that project. And I knew if I got in there, if I priced it strategically and if I got in, uh, people would see me on this street and they'd want me to start to do their driveways as well. So got in there and sure enough, everybody saw me on that street, obviously wanted the same thing. And like I signed up a this whole street worth of work and that that was the killer right that was uh, i mean waking up every day and knowing that you're going to lift uh, pavers and palletize them and then re-screed out it's uh that was the the real killer so that was about like midway through that second season where i hit that burnout and honestly like i'd still i'd still take on design build projects of smaller projects so every once in a while i'd, I'd sprinkle one of those projects in between and uh, and that's where I knew, like my passion lied because I'd go off and do that project and I'd be like, get all this energy again, be happy to be going to work again and uh, and totally be willing to do up these designs after work. Uh, so that that's when that moment right then and there, I was like, you know what, I'm going full steam ahead with design build, screw this lift and relay stuff. Uh, and it was i i set a three-year plan i didn't just you know throw out all this work but i did strategically decide to take on lift and relays where we're doing the whole project like no more of this you know what we look at this problem area we expanded three feet out just to make sure we're getting everything and we'll do that for you it was you know what if we're coming out to look at your lift and relay project to look at your problem and this is on the phone pre-qualifying i'm saying hey If I'm coming out like I'm doing the whole thing, this is what it generally looks like in terms of price. Are you okay with that and move forward with that as opposed to taking on these little tiny projects here and there?
0: Oh, I love that. I love that, dude. A lot of guys listen and, you know, they do lawn care and they're afraid to give up that consistent income and that certainty that comes from that. How did you get over that in your mind? Like, how did you know, like, hey, lift and relays are certain we can roll through this? I mean, it's not as consistent as lawn care, but still you have these these lower ticket items that are lots so are plentiful. So how do you shift your mindset from going from that certainty to the uncertainty of design build? Yeah,
1: I think it's just a matter of having a, a game plan, having a plan in mind and setting goals to achieve that plan. Like I said, I started this three-year plan where I was going to slowly transition away, uh, dedicate less and less percent of my business towards that lift and relay. And by doing that, I knew knew it was achievable in my mind. I knew I wasn't going from 100 to zero in terms of that lift and relay and going from zero to 100 with that design build. I knew I could slowly transition out, bring on more design build work, especially in my advertising and my marketing for that and start to build my portfolio from there. Like I said, I'd I'd already done design build projects, very small scale, and I wanted to, you know, amplify that a little bit further with incorporating more features into my work, uh, really start to build the portfolio that way to, you know, it's obvious, it's obvious once you've been in the industry, once you've been in business for a while, that the type of work is the type of clients that tend to seek you out. So, if I didn't set that plan, if I didn't slowly uh, start to bring on more design build work, I would have been stuck in that lift and relay space because those are the clients that would be seeing me doing that, wanting that work to be done. And I would just be in that constant cycle of uh, lift and relay work. So I just had that game plan. I had that set it. Set goals in motion that I knew that this is going to be achievable. It's not going to stress myself too much. Uh, I still have that income coming in of lift and relay work that I'm very comfortable with doing. And still I could be building my portfolio with the work coming in for design builds.
0: That's awesome to do. Smart transition there because some think they have to have all or nothing, you know, and, and it's, it's really great to be able to keep what, you know, and to build into where you want to go you know so that's really that's a powerful piece now what uh, what kind of things came up during that transition like uh when you were going from the lift and relay into the you know design build side of things like what are some things that came up as tough lessons for you that some of our listeners might be going through
1: uh biggest tough lesson was the connections that i'd made in the industry they knew me as the lift and relay guy they knew me as the little guy that was willing to take on these little jobs so I'm still getting those leads and it's tough to say no to people, uh, especially tough if you don't have somebody that you can then pass that lead on to. Uh, I, really? I don't like to leave potential clients by saying just no, we don't do that work. I like to have somebody that I can pass that off to. It seems like other people like to do the same thing. So I was that guy at the lowest bar that people would be you know, passing their leads to. Uh, especially with having, you know, the supplier connections and the leads that they can offer you. I was still that guy doing those lift and relays that they would pass those leads off to. And if you go to them and you say, hey, I uh, am now doing these design builds, they're less likely to, to you know, pass those leads on to you until you kind of prove yourself a little bit there. So that was the biggest difficulty honestly, fairly easy to overcome with a little bit of marketing, with a little bit of uh, targeting the right clients in your marketing. Uh, as long as you're willing to kind of learn that space in that uh, paid advertisement space, that's really paid off for me. That would be the the biggest thing. Overall, I think over the years of doing lift and relays, over the years of doing side projects, I was really comfortable with anything that came my way. Uh, if a problem presents itself whether dealing with clients or dealing with it on a on a job site like something comes up on the job site i'm a fairly easygoing guy i don't try to stress over things too much it's hardscape it's hardscaping at the end of the day it's not going to ruin anyone's life or anything so uh something comes up you know it's it's fairly much uh, water off a duck's back i try to just roll with the punches and and keep going with that I love
0: that. I love that, dude. And that's, that's great advice for sure. Now you mentioned paid advertising and getting in there. So what, what kind of, uh, you know, what kind of tricks or tactics did you use in order to get the, that the attention you want because again, you're the, you're the, the, you know, the, the, the list guy, you're the, you're the, the guy that does all the paperwork and now you want to turn into outdoor living. So how do you do that? Like from a marketing standpoint, what do you show people? Like what's, where do you start?
1: Yeah. I, uh, I was fortunate before I started my business, I did like a nice, Uh, Pool patio area with armor stone and with uh, these nice granite cobbles. That was like the project that I knew I had that I could advertise that and say, hey, we do this. This is the type of work we do. So I, I leaned heavily on that project, along with some other smaller projects that I did. And uh and just learned Facebook advertising, Facebook ta- Facebook targeting. I didn't put it my money into these like third party sites that I've heard that they work in certain areas, especially in the US with larger cities, but Facebook targeting, like you can't beat it. And uh the visual aspect, the audience that is on Facebook at this moment, it's not like TikTok where it's a younger audience, it's the precise audience that you're going for and then you can filter that even further with their advertising platform and, and uh yeah it's just incredible what you can do with the Facebook advertising and uh, putting a little bit of money into that like when I'm setting my advertising budget with Facebook ads I'm looking for a hundred times to 150 times what I put into it for that top line revenue that's going to come out of it and I can't say that about anything else anywhere else I'm going to put my money
0: yeah, it makes perfect sense, man. It's a great time to be alive. I remember the days I've been 25 years in this. I'm a dinosaur when it comes to it. I remember Yellow Book. I remember all of these different platforms, right? Even Angie's List back when it was Angie's List and how that was a really great resource. And then it, you know, was bought out, turned into a pile of shit, doesn't work at all. So it's like you just, people are throwing money at that stuff and you get a lot of soft leads from that, right? You get, you get stuff that looks good. It looks like they're returning on your, your investment, but you go out and they're not looking for what you want or they're looking for something very basic, but you know, with Facebook, there's just such a powerful tool there. Um, what are some tips you can give the average person starting out? You mentioned having a project that was awesome to begin with, you know, to use those pictures and use them as the, uh, as the face of the company, when you're out there advertising, what if I'm starting out and I don't have anything like that? Like, what are some thoughts you have on that?
1: Yeah, it's, it's tough. I mean, I'm not for, you know, using other people's, uh, pictures, especially in your advertising, but you can, you can use what you've got like if you've done a project for a family member you can use what you've got and create a video out of that especially with like a video you can really hone in on certain features and not show per se the big picture projects like it could be a small little garden retaining wall and you can just focus in on those caps and do a nice stroll along with your camera on those caps. And that could be B-roll in terms of showing your face, showing the customer like you are a respectable person, dressed nicely, and you're selling them this landscaping and just insert a little bit of B-roll of those smaller projects that you've done. Again, focusing in on certain features in that. you know, a, a video is going to say a lot more than a picture at the end of the day. So if you don't have that portfolio, if you don't have a certain outdoor living space to show uh, that, I would say, like, go video, show your face, show that you're respectable, uh, you you're dressing for the part and, you know, you're able to get across what you want to get across in that video with whatever script you write out or however you want to do that.
0: No, I love that. I love that. If you don't have what you think you need, you know, just make what you yeah. got work, you know, and that's the biggest thing. Hardest part I found in the beginning, Mike, this was years ago, but is getting in front of a camera because yeah. man. When I watched myself years ago, when I first started, when I watched myself and I was like, oh, my God, who the hell is that? Did I just say that? Do I look like that? Like, do other people see me like that, too? You go through all this head trash and you and also you're like, I can't I can't share that. People would think I'm stupid. There's no way this isn't going to work. Like, they're not going to listen to me. Why would anybody care about a retaining wall? Why would anybody care about what I'm doing? How the hell did you get around that, dude? How did you get around that?
1: That Yeah, that's tough. I mean, nobody likes to see themselves in front of a camera for the first time and to see the result and to hear their voice. Uh, that's been something that has been tough to, to get around. You know, ultimately, at the end of the day, you, you got to do what you got to do. It, it comes down to like you either put that, that thought process in your mind and that, that kind of just grows and grows and grows, or you put in the reps, you get better at it. Nobody is a natural the first time they they get in front of a camera, nobody's a natural the first time they start talking on a podcast, uh, even as a guest myself, I struggle and I've been doing, you know, hundreds of podcasts now. So this is this isn't easy. It doesn't always it doesn't ever get 100 percent easy uh, and hearing somebody. And especially, you know, listening to interviews or listening to audiobooks of people that have gone through it, that have, you know, gone through their lives and still talk about to this day, once they get on stage, they're still nervous. Uh, so, you know, you, you either don't do it because you're nervous about it or you put in the reps to get better and to improve yourself, not only but also your business at the end of the day, because anything that you do. Towards personal growth, personal development, and I know you guys talk about this a lot on your podcast, but anything that you do in terms of that is going to pay off so much more in your business, and uh, especially, especially if you're owner operator, where you're you're going out, you're meeting with clients, you got to get better at speaking, you got to get better at, uh, you know, if if a client brings up an ad- objection, or if you're you know halfway through a project and a problem comes up and the client brings it to your attention, you got to know how to deal with that. So. Something as simple as turning a camera on and just practicing in front of that and having something that you want to say and trying to get that out, that's that's a rep in the right direction towards becoming a better speaker, becoming better communicator, and all of this is going to pay off not only for clients, but also employees as you bring them on.
0: Dude, you nailed it. Nailed it right on the head. You know, I remember back when I first started and I had a, a sales coach and he he was a hard ass. Like he didn't play games. It was like, he was like a drill sergeant. And I remember the first time he told me, uh, I mean, I hired him, paid him a stupid amount of money. And the next thing you know, he's like, all right, now record yourself saying as we're working through this process. Right. And he's like, I'm like, I don't do that stuff. Like my wife posts all the pictures to the family. Like I didn't take pictures of me, but I don't do video stuff. I mean, for me to talk and listen to myself, like no way. So anyway, he's like, you got to do this It's part of the deal. So I'm like, all right, I did it. I remember getting up at four o'clock in the morning and just, you know, working through the different steps within our process and, and recording and being pissed off and recording again. And 20 takes later, finally getting something that was acceptable in my mind and handing it over. But to your point about the reps, man, it was, he was forcing me to do the reps that I didn't want to do because ultimately when I looked in the mirror, I wasn't proud of the person I looked back at. And when you look at a camera and you're speaking, all you see is a negative, you know, what all the shit going on in your head. No one else knows that. They just see what comes out. They don't know all the stuff, the head trash going on. So for me, it was the reps constantly burning those reps and every time just getting a little bit better, knowing absolutely engaging and embracing the fact that you're going to suck at first and accepting that even when we started this podcast about a year ago. It's like, what are we going to talk about? Like, can we even talk this long? I have a hard, I had a hard time when we first started this podcast, to be quite honest with you, Mike, of, of streaming conscious thought. Like I would have ideas, like my mind thought in bullet points right? And when it comes time then to have a fluid conversation and link those bullet points together into a story, I struggled like crazy. I had lists of questions I would ask people. Like It had to be structured. And Dwayne makes fun of me to this day about that. He's like, dude, just just roll with it. And I'm like, dude, that's not how my mind works. I I like to know what's coming next. I like to have a plan for it because I'm afraid that I'm going to hit a bullet point and then lose a conversation. But through those reps over and over and over with the podcast, which has been a brilliant way to do this. And then obviously speaking and, and classes and all of that. In two years, I've built the muscle in my mind that I can talk forever about just about anything and not even think about it. I'm thinking about what I'm having for dinner as I'm having a conversation. I was never able to do that before. You know, to have that disconnect. So what I'm telling listeners out there is, guys, if you don't like it in front of camera, just like I didn't, just freaking do it and put it out there. And you know what the crazy part is? People are going to listen and watch. and They're going to give you a thumbs up and a like. And when you do that, they're already scared that they can't do it. So you're doing it. You're already a badass for doing that. Next thing you know, you start getting confident. You're like, wow, that wasn't that bad. Holy crap. Nobody yelled at me. I didn't have any trolls trying to knock me down. Maybe, maybe, Mike, I'll try a Facebook Live where where I don't get a second shot. I got to burn the boats and go, baby. I mean, you want to talk about upping your game? Do that. And then you have to go. You have to be delivering. And that's, the, again, challenging yourself, doing those reps, man. But I love your story on that. And that's, that's so and true. And that's,
1: man, like if you don't think you're good at it, if you think this is out of your comfort zone, then you absolutely have to do it. Like you are the type of person that needs to do it more than anything. If you don't think yet you can do it, then you absolutely need to do it. It's just one of those one of those mental hurdles that you got to get over. And that's actually why I started my podcast. That's why I started, because I wasn't a good speaker. So what better way to get better at speaking than to put yourself out in the deep end and start a podcast and start speaking like that? That that's the main reason why I started the podcast selfishly, I would say, to improve myself.
0: That's awesome. dude. But at least you know that there's nothing wrong with that. Right. You're giving people incredible content that's helping them and change their lives. And at the same time, the win for you is that you're getting better as a person. So when it comes to business owners listening, you know, if you want to go to that next level, you've got to create the person within yourself that can take you there. It's not something you just wake up one day, three years from now, and you just show up. You've got to build that person inside by doing the reps by, if you're not a good speaker, speak. You know, that's what it is. Speak. Even if you suck, speak. And if you're, if you're not good at, say, shooting videography, here's, here's another thing that I learned along the way. And you tell me what your thoughts are on this. That I always thought that with video, especially for business, that it had to be like Hollywood quality. Like beautiful. Everything had to be just right. I couldn't make any flubs. I couldn't say anything that made me look weak. Like I couldn't use ums. I couldn't use any of these things. I, I was constantly so self-focused that I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to start because I was afraid of all of these things. And what I realized, especially with social media... The raw, the content, the more authentic you are, the more people engage, the more inauthentic you are. And I'm going to sidebar this for a second. I had a guy one time I was shooting video and it was all about delivering a solid, intense message. Right. And I'm sitting here take after take after tape trying to do this when I started Just yes Express. And I remember I did this. It was like a two minute clip or three minute clip. And this guy, he he commented on it. You know, I, was, I don't know. like you get a comment. Like, what are they people going to say? You just don't know. Right. So he commented on it. He said dude, I don't trust anybody who doesn't blink. (laughs) And I was like, holy shit. I'm like, wow. Thank you for that. Because, you know, I wasn't even paying attention. I was so focused on delivering an incredible Hollywood style message that I didn't show up to the message, right? I was just all stressed and trying to get everything right. I find that I get much more engagement with people when i just show up the way that i fucking am, right? And and just let it roll and, and let the 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 great and the not so good and all that play out because we're at the end of the day we're all humans and we're trying to connect to each other as humans, not as robots. So what are your thoughts on that kind
1: of thing? Yeah, i mean uh, just something that kind of stuck out with me there is that if you are doing a video and it's just you and you've got a camera there and you're gonna to speak to that camera and you're nervous, you're just trying to get the reps in, you gotta pretend like that camera is a person. Or at the very least, have your significant other, have your wife, have somebody hold that camera and speak to that person instead. Same with a podcast. Like this this person to person works so much better than if I was just to sit down by myself and try to speak into a microphone, try to get my points out, uh, Like that. that's just one mental hurdle that you can use to speak more fluently, speak more authentically, especially when you're just starting out, because it's just not going to work looking at a camera lens and and trying to get your points across to a camera lens. It's got to be human to human. It's got to be that interaction that really brings out that that authenticity in your message, in your podcast, in your video or whatever it might be.
0: And and on, I love that, Mike. So but how many, like if you're going to put out 10 videos, like what are you expecting in quote unquote return as far as your viewership? Like are you expecting it to go viral the first one? Are you expecting anybody to even notice when you first start out? Like what does that look like? So we can set the
1: expectations
0: here of what you can expect.
1: Oh, man, I say uh, zero expectations. I think it's good to set a game plan and to set goals. But if it's something you're not comfortable with, you can get easily discouraged if you expect that first one to go viral, if you expect that that 10th one to go viral, if you expect to have this huge audience come to watch your videos or to listen to your podcast. I think it's good to set goals They need to be realistic. And when you're first starting out and just experimenting and you have no experience with something, it might be just good to set a a game plan of consistency rather than results. So saying for the next 30 days, this is how many things I'm going to put out on these different platforms. This is what I'm going to stick to. And I've got no expectations on anyone listening, anyone watching, anyone doing anything for that. After that, I can see kind of how the ball rolled. I can see what people are actually tuning in. And from there, I can set my next goal of consistency along with the results now that I expect from that.
0: Dude, I love that line, consistency over results, because that is so, so true. My goodness, because that's a big discouraging piece, right? You're like, oh, God, I just shot 10 videos. I put them up and nobody liked them. And they expect it within an hour. Right. I know that's just, I'm speaking about myself. Like I'm not making fun of anybody else. This is me. Right. I'm like thinking, why didn't this happen fast enough? Or, you know, you put it out and I know Dwayne's mentioned many times he's, you know, he's like the, the social media guru when it comes to getting people engaged and a lot of stuff. And it's, what's amazing is he's like, you know, some of the videos that you think are just freaking dead cold ringers, man, like this is going to be awesome. Like people are going to just eat this shit up. They get no traction. And the one stupid video where you're doing something dumb gets all the traction, you're like, what? It doesn't always make sense. Have you found some kind of way to figure that out or is this just something you just roll with in social media?
1: I I don't claim to figure out anything when it comes to social media. I don't know how the algorithm works. And I know there's tons of people that talk about the algorithm and how it works and you just need to do this, this, and this, and this. Uh, I think there's best practices, but ultimately, like Google as a search engine, for example, I'm really big on SEO. That's how I started. I started as a writer before I actually started podcasts and started doing YouTube videos and stuff. But, uh, you know, Google updates its algorithm something like 500 times a year. That's more than once a day. So how can you claim to know exactly what the algorithm is looking for, what it's gonna be throwing at you? YouTube is owned by Google, uh, Facebook and Instagram. You know, these these algorithms are always being tweaked, always being changed. So there's best practices and, uh, and I stick with those best practices, but everything after that, you know, it, just like you said, you could spend I've had videos that I've made where I think this is my best video. This is this is going to cause me to really, really start to get that audience. And then it's my worst performing video. Same thing with podcasts. Sometimes I get off an interview and I am like that. That was a good interview. Like people are going to love this one. And it gets one of the mid to lower uh, downloads in it. So ultimately, don't plan your content for algorithms. Planet for
0: humans. I love that. Yeah, because that's the ones that's listening. And how about as far as the content itself? We've talked a little bit about what it should include. Now, Should I be thinking like, okay, my goal here is to sell shit, right? That's really the bigger goal. I want to do this content because the end game is me to make money. So let's just do as little as possible so I can make as much as possible. That's the mindset a lot of times in business. But when it comes to social media, can you use that same mindset? or Are we looking at a very different mindset when it comes to the type of content you're getting in order to engage a sale with somebody?
1: I think there's so many different ways that you can go about it doing. And and I'm no guru. So if you're listening to this and you're going to take my advice and start to implement it, you know, uh, listen to people that you actually resonate with listen to people that you you know you find their advice helpful but i'm just going to tell you my my thought process on this basically the best way that you can create content is something that appeals to your personality to your strengths use those in your content because if you struggle with getting in front of a camera that's already something that you need to improve on. But if you're using your strengths, if you're using your personality on top of that, something that you're good at on top of that, that's gonna help you overcome those hurdles of getting better in front of a camera, of starting a podcast and speaking in front of it, of creating this content. So use your strengths, and I'm already forgetting your, your exact question there, but I, I would lead into that. So if you're, if you're not a good video editor, you can start to get better and better at video editing, But just start at, you know, just start, I think is is just the best thing that you can do is just start putting out content. It doesn't have to be the most creative thing. I've seen reels that are incredible that probably took people tons of time to edit and they're seeing results from that, but that's their strength. That's something that they've really leaned into. I've also seen YouTube videos where it's just a guy in front of a camera for 10 minutes, walking around their job site or walking around a certain area and just their personality comes through through that camera lens, through the computer and people flock to that type of thing so ultimately lean into your strengths especially if it's something that you're starting that you know you're not good at speaking in front of a camera not good at speaking in front of a microphone whatever that might be
0: oh, I love that dude I love that and you know one of the things that that so often at least I thought in the beginning was it's all about selling right so I just got to keep selling like I got to like guys buy from me buy from me buy from look how cool it is buy from me buy from me and what I realized is nobody wants to hear that shit they wanna be taken on a journey, right? They wanna, if you're gonna create content and focus on the consistency, not on the results, but the consistency up front, and commit to a 30 day or a 60 day or 90 day plan where every day, every two days, whatever, you're gonna do something, um, think about value. Think about adding as much value as you can possibly muster. And you can't give away too much when it comes to value because people, if, they, if you're a man of value or a woman of value first, People seek that out. If you're just saying, buy from me, buy from me, buy from me, they're like, no. But when you show value, eventually they're like, I need to buy something from this person. Like, what do they sell? That's where you got to drop your CTA, your call to action. Like, what do you want this to be? But don't make it a hard sell. Tell stories. Dwayne talks about it all the time. Tell stories. Tell stories about a project, the client's problem they had, and how you solved it. I don't care if it's a retaining wall, a simple $3,000 retaining wall, or whether it's a $300,000 backyard. makes no difference. There's there's clients on all of those spectrums and you maybe now you're not talking to the big clients that you want to talk to eventually but damn it all of us started somewhere. I used to do retaining walls and cleanups along the river every year when it would flood. I live next to the Delaware and that was great money. When, you know, it would flood every 2-3 years and they would be like, "Yeah, go down and clean it out again. Sounds great. It's a couple thousand bucks more. They just want to make it nice." So we all started there, but don't think that after 25 years that it's, it looks like it's an overnight success. You know, we all had to go through these things. We all had, to, we didn't have social media back then. We had to use that yellow book. We had to go down and shake hands with people at, at shows and do whatever we could. Now you can sit in your office and do all this work and you can impact so many more people's lives. So value first is number one. Think about how you can add value. Even if it's the same thing that your competition is talking about, that makes no difference. You have to keep talking because they're going to see you and resonate with you and the right people are going to come. You're already enough right now to do this. Even
1: if it's a similar thing that you've already said, uh, you can always you know, it's the way you phrase things will have an impact on different people or will catch people at different times. Or maybe somebody missed this video, but they caught this video. You know, don't be afraid to continuously hit home a message when it comes to that value. And then to, to bring this home to, because I think I've been really speaking about my particular, you know, content creation, but to hit this home to a landscape business owner, uh, design, build, whatever your business is focused on, Think about what you can do with just one single video of you walking through a job site and showing off the process you can then take that video transcribe it create a blog post out of that google looks favorably on you know your your website being updated frequently so that video has now become a video that you can post on youtube a blog post you can then take that video uh separate it into certain bite-sized pieces you've now got reels you've got TikToks, uh and that's all come from that one single video and I'm sure I'm missing things out there but what is 10 to 15 minutes of you simply holding a camera walking through your job site talking about how it's going and you can do that each and every single day because that job site is going to look different each and every single day
0: I love that dude that is such a great nugget guys listen out there holy shit he just dropped something on you might not sound like much but it's all about time preservation right It's all about time preservation. So if you can say, look, one day a month, I'm going to shoot content. I'm going to distribute that throughout the entire month. Then that whole issue of I don't want to do this because I don't have time for that kind of shit is over. There's no more excuses. You have all the asset, we call them assets. You have all the asset you need for the month. And if you do that even every three months, if you go out and shoot, say right now you're shooting because spring is gonna come and it's gonna launch and you're gonna be busier than heck. So you go out and do some stuff now. And then you're like, all right, well, this summer when things get nice outside, I can take, go to somebody's house say Mrs. Jones, is it okay if I shoot some content? She's gonna be like, yeah, of course. As long as you did a great job, she's like, do whatever you want. You arrange it nicely, you walk around, you talk. The next thing you know, you've got the assets and now you can either do it yourself if you're into that or hand it off to somebody and say, dude. Make this work for the month. And they just snip little pieces off. And all of a sudden, you're everywhere all the time. And you're not going to... The old days was you talk to somebody two or three times and you had a lead, right? That was good. You're good to go. Like, they're ready to buy. It's up to 16 times now, Mike. They got to see your face 16 times and and be like, oh my goodness. So, you realize that takes a lot of assets to make that happen. But I love the idea of just shooting it in one concentrated time and then dispersing it over the next weeks or months.
1: Yeah. I mean content creation isn't going anywhere. Like this is the future of doing business. When people see you more often on the platforms that they're on, they become, they get to know you, right? And sure you're reaching a much wider audience than you actually service, but you will get those customers, those people uh, watching you throughout many years. It's, It's an investment, but this isn't a theory. People are not having to spend any money on advertising on branding on marketing because they've created a presence online through their content and they're booked out for two years so it's not it this is no longer a theory this is uh and we work in a industry where we're a little bit slow to adopt things in terms of you know technology or or this content creation, uh, because, you know, we're busy. We're not marketers. We're not content creators. We're hardscapers. We're designers. We're builders. Uh, but this isn't going anywhere. This is the time to adopt it because it has not only been proven, it's worked, and now's the time to start to get that ball rolling and to really create that content so you can get, like you said, what, 16 times to, for that lead to, you know, be able to touch them. Well, that's a touch. If you show up on their Facebook, uh, Facebook stream, they see your face, they get to know you a little bit. And that's that's one of those touches along that cycle. And you didn't even have to do anything besides make that content. You didn't have to go out, drive out, meet them or anything like that.
0: You're exactly right, dude. Exactly on on point. And you know, each time that they're seeing that, you're building just a little bit more credibility, a little bit more okay. This guy's talking about hardscaping again. This guy's talking about landscaping again. He becomes the landscaper, hardscaper, whatever, fill in the blank guru. And pretty soon they're like, oh, he's talking about that again. He's talking about this. She's talking about that. This is amazing. Like, and pretty soon you become that person. So if you will, this is like the the first date. Ing, if you will, as you're moving through, it's like, wow, okay, this kind of person is kind of cool. I like this person. I could get, yeah, it seems like they think like me. Everything's cool. That's how the people do business now. They don't just, you know, wing it anymore. They want to have some social proof. They want to have like, okay, are these people really talking about this? Or yesterday was he a a loan broker and today he's a landscaper and tomorrow he's going to be washing chickens. I don't know. You know, so it's like you just don't know what the hell's going to be happening. So, you know, when they see that consistency, man, it plays so much into it and you become that person and then people see you for it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that, dude. So I've, I've really enjoyed this freaking podcast, man. I really enjoyed it. I hope you have as well. Um, how do people find you, Mike? What do you do and how can you help people get to their goals faster?
1: Uh, yeah, I appreciate the time. Uh, to, I really love this conversation too. And we're going to have you on the podcast, our podcast as well. That's the how to hardscape podcast. So if you, uh, you know, we cover things from installation in the early days to tools, to knowing your, your numbers, your finances, and, uh, and everything in between, uh, operating your business systems, and then we have business owners on. So hardscapers talking and we dissect their business. So it's, uh, it's, it's covers quite a bit. It's evergreen. So it's not, it's not like we talk about something and it's no longer relevant, uh, a year later, we've got more than 140 episodes now. So go listen to that. Uh, and I, I'd say that's, that's a good starting point for the content that we're putting out.
0: I love it. I love it. Do you have anything else to offer besides the, the podcast itself?
1: If you want video content, if you're looking for that, uh, I am a hardscaper. So that's my personal. Uh, How to hardscape is more of a community base. So if you check us out on Instagram or whatever, uh, this is it's a community page. We highlight the amazing work that these professionals are doing in this industry with the community. I am a is my specific business uh, in my day to day, I would say. So if you're looking for for video content youtube i am a hardscaper
0: i love that i love that mike any last uh, parting words or little nuggets of wisdom you'd like to impart on our listeners before we peace out
1: you know i i think it's amazing what you guys are doing with this podcast uh i've been listening for about a year now and i really like the um the mental aspect that you guys bring up in overcoming those barriers i think that's super important i think um you know, it's it's easy to hear somebody online and uh, and they're talking about these mental barriers and overcoming them. But when you have somebody that you can relate to that are that's in a similar industry to you, that's in the same industry to you and you, you hear them talking about, you know, any any problems that they've overcome or things that they're going through. I think that's the best way to go about it. It's good to have resources outside of the industry But if you don't know the person, if you don't get to know them, uh, that's where I think like your podcast really fills in a a unique hole, a unique space. And it's really been a a privilege to be able to listen in on your guys' conversations.
0: Mike, I certainly appreciate that. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to land this ship. We're trying to, you know, open up that conversation about mindset. And that's why it's so important because dude, that six inches of real estate between your ears is the biggest battlefield you'll ever manage. And I don't care if you don't get that right, you're not going to grow your business. And if you do grow it, you're not going to be happy so you know more money doesn't mean more happiness all it means is more right and that's not always the best thing for you you just have more problems so anyway man i appreciate that so much and And guys and gals listening, you know, I I appreciate you listening and, and, you know, keeping your continued support for us and and spreading the message. And, you know, our our Dwayne and I, our our goal is to uh, impact and empower 2 million people in our industry in the next five years, actually less than five years now. And we're well on our way for that. Thanks to you guys listening and sharing and all that stuff and give, uh, you know, Mike's uh, podcast to listen how to hardscape. Dude's awesome. He's a solid dude. And uh, he's out there trying to change the world too. And it's not just about us doing it, right? It's not everyone listening to outer spaces. That's the goal. It's about all of us having a community voice because when we all do it and mike has his way of doing it, we have our way of doing it, but we all have the same heart we're all trying to help people grow and get the information out there so that others don't have to struggle with the same bullshit we did and if we can fast track that and compress decades in the days and move everyone forward dude that's a win for us so guys share this that's why we have other people from podcasts you think well wait a minute here like what happens if i go over there and listen like i won't be listening to you i'm like i don't care if you go from today and you say look i'm gonna go over to listen to mike because i think he has more content that i'm i'm open to do it please this is why we're doing this guys it's all about trying to further this this industry and and uh, you guys are absolutely core part of that so thank you again for listening and thank you mike for being on and i look forward to jumping on your podcast and shaking up some lives